When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome. This is the Barcelona Podcast brought to you by Francis Tomas and Dan Hilton. We're coming from Barca Blog, of course, and we are delighted you have joined us for another week talk about some of the hottest breaking stories from the camp new and of course in the summertime we're talking more about transfer rumors and the like and that'll be the start of our show but before we get things started here we'd also ask you to please consider subscribing at any points during the podcast you can check us out across tons of different social media platforms including facebook and twitter where you can reach out ask us questions get involved with the barca blog community and the barcelona podcast community in particular and we also have exclusive deals as well that we've shared with you in the description where you can find us on itunes google play and everywhere else well let's not waste any more time with my plugs and the big story frances we're going to talk about today is paulinho i'd love to ask you how you are but i think paulinho i hope is not affecting the way you're going about your day to day (laughs) um I, I think knowing that Vaz are, are rumored to be going after Paulinho is sort of upsetting. Um, I'd like to t- tell our listeners that we're going to talk about Paulinho first, then we're moving on to Gerardo Lufeo, and we're going to end up talking about Arda Turan and, and his future. Now, Paulinho, let, let's, let's take a second here. Now, Paulinho is a player who is a Brazilian international. He is a midfielder who can turn into an attacker um, whenever needed. He has been playing in China in Wanzhou Evergrande for the last three, four years. Um, he's a regular there. He's played many, many times. He's scored several goals, and we're going to get into stats in a minute. But um, 
this may be me being old-fashioned, but I cannot really get any... My head doesn't seem to understand, and the words are sort of escaping me. I can't even say it. I don't understand how Barca are linked with a player who has been playing in China for three years. You know, maybe maybe this is me being old-fashioned. Maybe this is me being a horrendous human being. But I don't quite understand how Barca, who have got Messi, Iniesta, Neymar and Suarez, can be after a player who left Tottenham for China three years ago. It's, it's, it's baffling. I think there's a lot to unpack in this. And as I've kind of mentioned in the past too, this is one of those examples where, and we'll talk about this in the role that uh, Luis Felipe Scolari plays, you know, former coach of Brazil and now the coach of Paulino's team in China. You know, he said, he said, and who said what in the transfer rumors. It's always a lot to unpack. So you never know if the club, if a club, particularly the Barcelonas, the Manchester Uniteds, the Real Madrids, or the Liverpools, if they're actually linked and actually interested in these players or if these are just tactics being used by the agents of these players to push up their price tags and try to fangle a move back to you know another club now for Paulinho as you had mentioned he has a release clause of 40 million euros uh, and um or 35 million pounds um for those in your I'm in in, in the UK and for these Chinese clubs, they've switched their uh, transfer regulations recently because, as, as you know, you've known in the world of football, whether it was Hulk um, going to Zenit St. Petersburg or Jackson Martinez from Atletico Madrid and Oscar, of course, from Chelsea was the big one. These these players were signing for just insane numbers and transfer fees to go play in China. But now there are new regulations that sees clubs charge a 100% levy by the Chinese Football Association on transfer fees of more than 6.58 million, which is only 5.2 million pounds for foreign players, with the additional fee then redirected into youth development because, you know, I think that was a long-term goal, and clearly that's a long-term goal of the Chinese uh, Football Association is to use that big money and, you know, ticket sales, everything like that, and inject it into their youth to be, you know, become a world power starting from the ground up. And they were using those big players as ways to fund that. But it got very quickly out of control. And of what we've seen in the transfer market so far this year that, you know, there's just been too expensive transfers and, and price tags being put on players. And, you know, Paul Pogba kind of blew it open last summer you know, and but we even saw with Gareth Bale a few years ago when he went from Tottenham to uh, Real Madrid, and you know Neymar even coming over from Santos in Brazil for Barcelona. That you know that number just keeps going up and up and up, and I wonder when it's going to stop. And so for Paulino, he's another example of a guy being 21 in less than a month, and you know not getting any younger. He got his break with Corinthians back in 2010 and played four seasons there, scored 20 goals and 86 appearances. That's pretty good. Then 45 appearances and two-plus seasons at Tottenham, as you had mentioned. He's a prototypical box-to-box midfielder, making strong runs into the box. He's diff- he's dangerous on set pieces. So I think on paper, Frances, he's got the pedigree, as we mentioned, you know, kind of learning and getting better at Tottenham. He has that pedigree as a player to play at Barcelona and be a role player. But as you mentioned, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't really fit. He has 13 appearances so far this year, scoring four goals and two assists in the Chinese Super League, made 83% of his passes, 
you know, but that's all expected in the Chinese Super League. And you look at the competition that he's playing against. So, I mean, for me, Barcelona, they, it sounds like they're going to go after him for 20 million or 25 million. But even that, you know, you wonder if that makes any sense. I mean, if they can negotiate it down to like 12 million, then I guess you take a chance on a player that seems like he's going to fit. But as I talked about in previous shows, great. We'll add another midfielder that doesn't isn't a guaranteed starter at Barcelona. So now we have another midfielder for our bench just to create what more competition for Rafina and Sergio Roberto and the like yeah I, I really hear what you're saying and you know you obviously have started the Chinese league and and, and you know about the, the long-term goals and that but ultimately I don't really care that much uh, I think that Barca should be signing players who are actually going to help them challenge for the Champions League that they're going to help them dethrone Madrid off the top of the La Liga type, uh, La Liga table and regain the La Liga crown, hopefully in the very next season. Um, I don't think a player like Paulinho, who you know, couldn't really cut it in, in England and had to go and play in China and has been there for three seasons now, is what Barca should be pushing towards. Like even Honestly, even if they bring the price down, because um, you know, Evergrande are looking at 40 million euros to start, Barca think they can make it, take it down to 20, 25 to 20. That's what the, the papers say anyway. I, I'd rather save the money. I'd rather save the money, promote Alanya, as we spoke about in episode 10. I, I'd rather save the money, go for a player who actually is going to make a difference. Someone like Berratti, you know, he's repeatedly said this summer um, that he wants to be with us, that he wants to join Barca. He hasn't said it publicly, but he said it to his agent. He said it to PSG. Um, he's even prepared to, you know, not start training with PSG when they come back in early July in order to push his way out. And I don't think Barca should be wasting any time trying to convince Evergrande about getting Paulinho to the camp. No, what they should be doing is investing their resources and, and the scouting um, time even, looking for a player who actually is going to add something and, you know, be there's plenty of players that I would sign before Paulinho. Like we've talked about uh, Mares from Leicester being a possibility. I would sign him before Paulinho. Um, to be honest, I would keep Rafinha and Denis Suarez ahead of, of him. The Barca have also been linked to Lucas Lima from Santos, who is a close friend of Neymar, was Neymar's girlfriend's um, boyfriend. No, Neymar's sister's boyfriend. And I uh, get confused with all of this relationship business. And uh, Neymar's dad is, is his agent. I think even Lucas Lima, considering he would come to Barca on a free transfer because his contract runs out on the 1st of July. No, he's free to sign for a new club on the 1st of July and his contract runs out in the next six months. I think every player that I just mentioned should be having priority over a player who is technically unproven in Europe, if you want to be harsh about it, he only played for Tottenham for a year and a half. Sure, he made plenty of appearances, but Tottenham were happy to sell him off for the profit that they made. So I don't understand why three years later, Barca have to be interested in the player. It really baffles me, uh, and I really do hope it is a strategy from the Barca board in order to bring someone else's price down. I, I really hope they're bluffing, because if they're not, honestly, it's a bit embarrassing. I don't think anything hurts for making a phone call but uh, I absolutely agree with you I think we both are on the same page that um, you know as I've talked about in show 10 as well that 
you know, you don't want to waste too much time in that transfer window trying to negotiate on leads that aren't going to lead anything. So, you know, the best thing to do would be, you know, stop negotiating and, and just move on and, and go for players that are both realistic and try to get that kind of business done quicker than trying to wait until the end of the transfer window. And, you know, so speaking of that, you know, being we're both on the same page about Polino, that brings us right into talking about a former Barcelona player, unlike Polino, in Gerard Delefeo. And for Delefeo, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that I think we're both going to say the same thing, that a $12 million, um, that if they were to get, if they were to be able to get him for, you know, say around the 12 million that they still have in that clause, but they do have to do it very quickly. So by the time that this show comes out, this Delafeo news will basically be resolved, whether or not he returns or leaves. But at this time, you know, we'll talk about whether or not we thought that he should have deserved to be back at Barcelona. And to me, I, I don't know. I'm on the fence, and I, I think you could easily convince me either way. Uh, I don't think I'm going to convince you much, to be honest. Um, I think Gerardo Lufeo was one of the best players in the Barca Academy um, or in the last decade, I would say. He was always very physical. He was always really strong. His speed always shone through. And uh, if there was one element that sort of differentiated Olufeo from the youngsters around him is the fact that he was really hugely confident about his abilities um, to the point that his coaches and players who, who played against him, they, tend to, they tended to say that he was too cocky, which means arrogant in, in British UK language, which is where I live, so that's what I normally use. Now, Delufeo these days has been he's been, he's been doing quite well at Milan but that's after being loaned up um, to two different clubs which were Everton first in 2013 he made 29 appearances but the vast majority of them were as a substitute he did score four goals but then again if you're a forward that's definitely not a lot um, he had Roberto Martinez who is a, a manager that has excelled uh, a, a manager who Obviously, comes from Spain and is linked to the Barca system in many ways um, because of his past. But he scored four goals, and Roberto Martinez, who really, in theory, was the one person who really wanted him to come to to England, decided that he didn't need him anymore. The very next season, he went back to Sevilla again. He failed to establish himself. He made 28 appearances. He scored three goals, but he was not convincing at all. He then returned to Everton, where he made 46 appearances, scoring four goals. So if you're a striker or a forward, or you've got the chance of sort of playing the final third, and you can only return a total of 11 goals in four years, that's definitely not a lot, which is why he was then loaned up to Milan. Now, fair enough, he's been good in Milan. He's uh, In 18 appearances, he's assisted many many times he's not just assisted but created dangerous opportunities uh, because of the way that he runs from the side he's recovered his um, I would say his full confidence and he's contributed four goals in the in this time parallel to that he's been called back for the Spanish national team and he's actually been really good playing for Spain which you know everything does indicate that a return to Spain and in this case Barca would be the right thing to do however I am not that convinced 
in the fact that he has grown totally grown out of his cockiness. Um, Luis Enrique decided to not keep him in his first season in charge because he just wasn't working hard enough during training and uh, I'm still to be proven wrong when I say that I don't think he's got that back. Yeah, you mentioned back in 2014, that was the big summer that Delefeu, you know, was thought to, maybe that would be when he made his his mark at Barcelona, but Luis Enrique said he was, and this was a twofold saga. I mean, this was, you know, I don't think we ever really, truly got an answer out of this one, but Luis Enrique said he was surprised by Delefeu's loan move and decision to move to Sevilla, where he scored one goal in 17 appearances, but by and large, that Sevilla loan was not successful at all, as you had mentioned. Um, but on the other side of things, as you had mentioned, a lot of press also reported that Luis Enrique just, you know, and, and this is true of the player, that he doesn't have defending in his DNA, that he wasn't working hard enough. And for me, in the modern world of football, you know, De La Feo seems like if he could defend even a lick, that he would be the perfect player for, you know, to be one of those wing backs in what you'd call, you know, with the five back system with those wing backs, like as Chelsea had played. And for Barcelona, even this year, they had looked to try to play three at the back a few times. So De La Feo would have been a perfect player for that. You know, again, if he was ever willing to defend, which so far he, you know, hasn't shown that he's been willing to do that, particularly at club level. But then, you know, Frances, and again, to be very transparent, as we record this, the semifinal against Italy at the U21s is currently going on. And, you know, having watched De La Feo with the rest of those young Spanish players, not only has Spain been, you know, probably the best team in the tournament up to this point, but De La Feo has been the captain. He showed leadership. He's, you know, been composed. He's had the confidence that you talk about. And he seems like he is the kind of player that Barcelona would like to add. And that's a tough thing, though. Barcelona would love to add Spanish national team player and captain of the U-20s, Gerard De La Feo, but they, unfortunately, are probably going to be adding Gerard De La Feo, who's been on three different teams in three different years and not really made much of a, school, a goal-scoring impact at any of those clubs. And that's the player that they, unfortunately, might be getting. But again, if it was guaranteed that Ernesto Valverde would be able to get you know, the Spanish national team player out of De La Feo, then maybe he would be a good signing, particularly, as we had mentioned, for $12 million. And the, the thing I'll bring up, though, and I think the thing that, you know, watching these U21s that kind of just irked me, this is a little bit away from De La Feo, Frances, but, I mean, you can dip into this as well, that looking at the squad at the U21s, Real Madrid just seems to be snatching up the best young players in Spain and you know those players are playing a role in the national team and I don't know how much politics comes into it but you look at the starting lineup against Portugal and the starting lineup against Italy so that was basically the U21's best 11 that they wanted to put out there Marco Asensio, Marcos Llorente and Jesus Vallejo I mean sorry Vallejo are all in the books at Real Madrid Llorente from Alves and Vallejo coming back from Eintracht Frankfurt and meanwhile, Denis Suarez, the one Barcelona player in the squad, is coming off the bench. And, you know, he did get two starts starting the first game and then the game against Serbia with the rest of the subs. Um, but then Barcelona has three former players in the starting 11 in Sandra Ramirez, De La Feo, and Hector Bellerin, who they either couldn't keep or chose to get rid of. And, and so my big question is how important will Barcelona be to the future of the Spanish national team and the question is, I'm not sure, but Real Madrid clearly is trying to invest in Spain in a way that Barcelona just, again, 
and we talked about in the past too, where France has so many talented young players, Germany has so many talented young players, Italy has so many talented young players that you don't necessarily need to build your and of course the entire continent of South America where our front line comes from that and for Barcelona looking at young Brazilian players as well that it doesn't necessarily need to just come from Spain but you know getting young youth Spanish players seems to be the easiest thing because it's right in your backyard and now it looks like Barcelona is having a difficult time you know fostering those talents and having them move up through the international level and gain some pedigree there as well. And the last point I'll make before I throw it back to you is that Saul of Atletico Madrid, as funny as this sounds, watching him play at the U21s, and he's said to be rumored to be the backup in case Barcelona miss on Verratti, but Saul is, you know, by and far to me, probably been the best talent-wise player at the tournament. He just seems to be operating on a different level than the rest of the players 23 and, and younger. He just seems to be just of a higher quality than everybody else. So I, I think, you know, a little aside here is that if Verratti doesn't work out and Barcelona need to go after Saul for, let's say, $60 million and Atletico Madrid are willing to sell him for, you know, $60 million euro or something, I think that would be something that Barcelona fans should be happy about as well. Right. You've made a huge amount of points in there, so I'm going to try and pick it. Um, I'll start with Asensio. Marcos Asensio is a player who was playing at Mallorca when he was around 17, 18 years old, and he was excelling. He was clearly going to be a future star, and Barca were on, you know, he was under Barca's radar. Barca made an offer. It is reported that it was accepted for 4 million euros. So he was always going to come to Barca for 4 million, and he was a youngster. The idea was that he would go to Barca B, which at the time were in Segunda División B, but he, he was reportedly happy to do that, and then train with the first team. Um, in And the plan was that he would be a first team player within a, the first the completion of the first year. Then, Andoni Zubizarreta and the Barca board, being as clever and uh, as inspired as they have been in the past, they decided to drop it when everything was closed, the player sort of knew that he was coming to Barca, decided to drop everything and went to Brazil and spent 6 million euros on buying Douglas. Douglas has seen <laughs> Douglas has seen the one that we had to loan up to um, Sporting Gijón, and he failed miserably again this year. So that that is a player who is, essentially a player who's currently started for Madrid, but the Barca board decided to go after Douglas, who has been nobody and has done nothing in, in world football. Now, another point that you made, I think you mentioned... Um, Saul. Saul is a player that has been excellent for Atletico Madrid. He has, he's, he's very Simeone, you know, he's very Simeone in terms of uh, mentality, in terms of physicality and in terms of creativity. He reminds me a lot of Koke, although obviously they're different players, but their progression is, um, I think, is very sort of parallel. Koke has renewed his contract at Atletico Madrid and uh, he's going to be driving the team forward for several years. If you, I don't know if you remember about last summer, there were several rumors linking Koke to Barca, but in the end he decided to stay. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Saul, another promising, decent, honest, professional, hardworking youngster with plenty of talent, um, is, is going to have the same rumors going on around him. Having said that, given the Simeone influence and the fact that he's decided to stay for yet another season at Atletico, I don't think he's going to leave his best players go. And uh, as long as Simeone is in Atletico, I don't think either Coque or Saul 
would be looking to leave at all. Um, going back to your point on the under-21s, you mentioned Sandro Ramirez. Now, Sandro Ramirez didn't necessarily have a great spell at Barca. Sure, he was promoted to the first team and uh, he scored some goals. To be honest, I think in the Munir and Sandro comparison, uh, Sandro definitely won in terms of goal scoring, ability to beat the keeper one-on-one and ability to combine with the others. So I think that Sandro was ahead of Munir in the system they were together. But I think it was it was definitely the right thing to do to move both players on. And going back to your original point about Deo Lufeu, 12 million euros for a player who knows the Barca system and is eager to come back, I think it will be money well spent given what the market is right now. Having said that, is he going to have the patience to be Barca's fifth forward behind Messi, Suarez, Neymar and Alcácer? I... I, I, I have to see it. I don't think he's going to have the patience at this moment in his career, given the fact that he's been in so many different teams, to, to stay back and uh, be a good boy on the bench, pushing for his, for his opportunity and taking advantage of it. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I do think that if Barca do buy him back for 12, it's because they know that someone else would pay more than that in the coming weeks and they will sell him on again. But then again, as I say pretty much all the time, I'm more than happy to be proven wrong. Yeah, that's spot on with everything. I, I completely agree with you. And um, again, not to get too far off the beaten path, but for Saul, you know, as much as I would love to see a player of his quality at Barcelona, I think having those young quality players, you know, and, you know, he really, to me, looks like the future of the Spanish midfield uh, at the international level in Saul, that Atletico Madrid keeping those players, I think, does help add depth to the La Liga title race. And as we talked about before, I, I think even as a Barcelona fan, I just don't, I want Barcelona to win every year, but I don't want it to always just be Barcelona and Real Madrid. I would love to see if La Liga did have more depth and there were more challenges. Um, and, you know, if Barcelona was able to overcome those challenges, it just says even more about the quality that they have in their, their lineup and in their roster. And so having Atletico Madrid be a strong opposition that, you know, if anything, it takes away more from Real Madrid and Real Madrid have to be looking more at their, their neighbors in the same city than Barcelona do worry about Atletico Madrid. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. I think La Liga is fairly strong already. Uh, but obviously Barca and Madrid are miles ahead of the competition. With Atletico in the last three, four years being a worthy opponent, um, as we said before in a previous episode, Sevilla was quite strong in the first half of the season that just finished, the 2016-2017 season. Uh, but then they they lost their momentum once January, February came. And uh, Atletico de Bilbao are traditionally a very good team as well. We'll have to see how they do this coming season without Valverde uh, being in charge. But I think they won't, they won't suffer too much. And uh, yeah, I think the most... I think in La Liga, it all comes to the distribution of TV rights, the distribution of TV money, and uh, the fact that it's not really even. So in the Premiership, uh, the difference between the champion and a newly promoted team is around 8 to 10 million euros. In Spain, the difference is abysmal, is between 50 and 60 million, which is why Barca and Madrid, given the current system, will always be miles ahead. And also, I also think that because of the, the income that they get from the TV rights, that's also what makes them uh, a very powerful force in European football. Well, Frances, moving from players that could be coming in to Barcelona, the last player we're going to talk about today is a player that 
you know, as you and I have talked about in previous weeks, we'd like to see be leaving this summer. And it seems like there's a story that's picking up that Arda Turan might be moving back to Turkey. Um, but this is one of those things where, again, I keep using the word, Frances, I'm worried that it's going to turn into a saga. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think... Let's put it this way. If we had to basically give Arda Turan inside a present box with a little bow at the top, then a lot of teams would take him. But I think what Barca needs to start doing is start giving players away for no reason. And they have to start... The Barca board needs to start negotiating like a proper football team. Now, Arda Turan is a player who has been very good for a huge number of years. He was signed for $35 million a couple of seasons ago. He, In my eyes, he's been disappointing at Barca. Um, I, I, I do know that he scored 13 goals this last season. But even... Even by the standards that he had at Atletico Madrid, that is disappointing because he hasn't contributed to the team as much as he should. Having said all of that, for him to move to the Chinese league, like we talked about in episode 10, and and, and you were really good at at talking in depth about that in episode 10, so I strongly advise um, our listeners to check that out if they're interested. But even if if it's a Chinese team with a huge budget, even if it's um, any of the Turkish champions or the Turkish sort of contenders like Besiktas, Fenerbahce, etc. They, Barca needs to learn to sell players for the right amount of money. And I would not accept anything less than 30 million for a player who could still be very useful to pretty much any team. Now, I am disappointed with this contribution. I have to say I'm actually a little bit annoyed about the fact that he seemed quite careless or, or not able to adapt to his new environment. And uh, I am bitterly disappointed by his contributions over the last couple of seasons. And, uh, but at the same time, I think that Barca, while I do agree he should be offloaded before Rafinha, Andre Gomez or even Denis Suarez, I think they cannot give him away like they seem to be doing for pretty much every player who leaves the camp now. Yeah, he's rumored to go back, as I mentioned, to Turkey potentially to Besiktas, who is, again, a rival of his, one of his, you know, former clubs in Galatasaray, um, and they're bitter rivals, so that would be upsetting to his former club, and I, I don't know if that makes the the transfer even more difficult, but if they're willing to play to pay $30 million and they want to offer him €5 million Euros a season, I think this is an example where instead of trying to continue to shop him around and hope that Arsenal bites or Sporting Lisbon bites that, you just pull the trigger and um, and say that, you know, we got him for 35, so if you sell him for 30 to a Turkish side, then I, I think that would be a good, shrewd piece of business. And as we mentioned, you know, I hope this summer that Barcelona don't wait too long to take care of business. So if you can get Tehran off the books almost as quick as you can, then so be it. But the way his agent's talking about that there has been no news that, you know, Barcelona find him to be transferable and and this and that and they say the player is happy at Barcelona Um, and so I think as well when Barcelona meets in about two weeks time to start their preseason you're going to hopefully learn pretty quickly who Ernesto Valverde finds to be in his plans for next season and who doesn't seem to be in the plans and you know as 
as people looking on the outside in, you know, we can only conjecture to which players are going to fit into his plans and which aren't and which players we find to be good and which aren't. And, you know, as a lot of cools can continue to mention about Andre Gomez leaving the club, you know, Valverde might see him and say, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And then Gomez, you know, becomes a linchpin of the way Valverde wants to have his team play in the midfield in particular. And so for Tehran, I, I think if we see that he's, you know, clearly surplus, then I think it's time to pull the trigger. And, but to your point, I agree. I think there has to be a number to say, you know, you can't go lower than that number. If you want to be a club that does good business, you can't go lower than say 20 million on Tehran. And even 20 million might be a little low for a player that you bought just two years ago for 15 million. And, you know, he's only 30 years old even. And for a 30 year old who's had to kind of be asked to do different things and, Again, he did have injuries, and he didn't have the best year, but as you had mentioned, scored 11 goals, 4 assists. His passing in the Liga was 87%, and then he was playing more as a forward in Champions League appearances, and then more as a midfielder in La Liga. So a player that can play kind of all over the place, and yeah, while he couldn't push his way into the starting 11 at Barcelona, he's still a guy that's going to be able to start at you know 99.8% of clubs around the world, um, and even most of the major clubs. And so just because he didn't make it at Barcelona doesn't mean that he's still not a player that's worth 30 to 40 million euro. And I think you're right. I think the pressure is on the Barcelona board to not only get this done quickly so they can try to figure out the rest of that midfield shuffle, but also to make sure that they don't lower their price too much for a player, uh, you know, that still should be worth 30 million. Yeah. And I think you need to read between the lines what, what the agent is saying as well, because the agent did say, so for the moment, the plan is to continue next season at Barca. We haven't spoken to any club from anywhere in the world, which I technically and, and, and honestly cannot really believe at all. says, if Barca say they don't count on Arda, then it would be another story. So basically what he's saying, if Barca publicly say we don't want Arda to run in our team, then they will listen to offers. What that also means is that we will only leave Barca because we've got a contract for another three years. So we will only leave Barca if they sell us on on the cheap. Now, because Barca has sold Dani Alves, well, Dani Alves was a free transfer, wasn't he? And has missold players for, for pretty much no money so often in, the, in recent times, then every player seems to think they're allowed to do that. And honestly, that has to stop because then Barca doesn't have enough money to sign players, which is then affecting the quality of the team starting eleven which then results on not enough silverware coming back to the Camp Nou. So the Barca board really need to get their act together and put their foot down in order to, 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 to do the best for the team, to make sure that Barca have enough money to sign the players that actually are going to improve the current squad. And yeah, I think, I think it's quite obvious. I, it really winds me up to feel that other clubs can take so much profit, you know, looking back at episode 10, where we were talking about the possibility of Semedo coming to Barca, everyone assumes that Benfica is going to ask for huge amounts of money. If you were signing anyone from, say, Porto, you couldn't, you couldn't buy a player for 20 million, 15 million from there. So why is Barca even considering getting Arda sold for 2025? It's ridiculous. PSG, you go and get Verratti, they ask you for 80 to 90 million. Um, Pogba, the transfer to Man United, from 80 to 90 million euros it ended up being. So, I don't know, Barca seem to behave like there's some sort of charity 
that they're just giving players away to teams that need them. Well, that really has to stop because then Barca is just going to lose quality on a on a yearly basis. And if we cannot even sell the players that are surplus from La Masia on for a decent amount of money, or players that we just bought two years ago for thirty-five million, then it, we're just going to go out of business. To be blunt about it. Well, Frances, we got pretty negative here. Um, so I did. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. That was never. That was never my intention. But it really, that's why me up. I would. I likewise, I, I was the same way with the uh, with the U twenty one. So while we, you know, we we've been negative this show, we do want to end on a positive. Um, we have some fan mail, first from Charlie Barca, on Twitter, where he is, you know, gave us a little bit of a compliment and said that there is some people have been talking about starting a Barca podcast before. And he says that we're doing a really good job, Frances. So we want to thank the feedback we're getting. Um, and like Charlie Barca, if you want to help us out, you can go to iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and give us a review and, and rate us as well. And that certainly helps out and helps us continue to make more shows and new shows every week and sometimes multiple shows in one week. And the other thing that Charlie Barca had brought up was there was a La Liga Promises tournament here in the States, in Newark, New Jersey, um, just over the weekend. And Barcelona saw themselves beating Real Madrid 3-2 in the final. So that's a little bit of good news, along with the Barcelona B promotion, as Charlie B, or Charlie Barca, excuse me, uh, pointed out. And Frances, I was fortunate enough, I got to go to one of those games in New Jersey um, to see them play. And what I can tell you is, the young kids, they, uh, and this is just, this doesn't just stand for Barcelona. For Barcelona, they had definitely some quality young players, and there was a number 10 in particular that was shorter than everybody else. And though once he had the ball at his feet, you could clearly see why, you know, whether he was eight, nine, 10 years old, why he'd been given the number 10 shirt because he was putting on some, uh, putting on a show that got some oohs and ahs from, from the crowd as Barcelona beat Villarreal in the game I saw on Friday. Uh, before they went on to win the title on Sunday against Real Madrid. And for me, the bigger picture, though, just to tell people to hold on the brakes, you know, instead of, you know, making your fingers bleed trying to Google the number 10, who's, you know, 8 to 10 years old, just hold the brakes. Just enjoy that, knowing that Barcelona are still cultivating good talent at that level. But as you know, Frances, you know, players who are playing for even the biggest academies at 8 to 10 years old, they still have, what, a 5 to 10% chance of ever making it at that club or less, probably a one or 2% chance, depending on how young it is, simply because so many different players come through and players develop and, you know, kids develop at different ages. So, you know, a player that might be dominant at U8 might not see his skills translate even to when he's 15 years old. And so then he's already moved on and doing something else with his life. And so I think, you know, hold the brakes, but it was fun to watch um, the, the, the kids go out and play. And what I'll say is, Frances, before I, you know, I, I ship it to you is that, even those youngsters had a little bit of the dark arts in them where, you know, being able to use their bodies and some of those tricks of standing over the ball before a free kick and picking up yellows when they don't necessarily, you know, to hold back a counterattack. Because, of course, they play seven on seven. Um, and that, of course, you know, while a little unfor- foreign to the states in certain spots, seven on seven is great just to foster 
getting kids touching the ball more in you know smaller spaces particular too the field was was um was a little smaller than a normal field you'd see and so you know getting the players to touch the ball as much as they do you know from a from someone who grew up in the states that perspective you know it's just a, a great way that Barcelona and, and teams particularly throughout Europe were are able to help players get more technical and you know you can clearly see the difference in into why that you know they've learned those things and as I said, you know, it's called promises because it's a bright future. So I hope that I get to see a, a number of those youngsters in the future again. Definitely. Uh, I'm delighted that uh, we got invited to La Liga Promises. So thank you to the media team at La Liga for, for sending their invite our way via our, our contact page at BarcelonaPodcast.com. Um, I am delighted that Barca beat Real Madrid in the final. Um, anything that has the words Real Madrid and win for Barca, obviously, um, makes me incredibly happy. Um, but beyond that, I think the whole sense of the children getting a chance of proving their worth with a worldwide audience um, is, is fantastic as well. The Barca kids, the Barca under-12s, were really successful in the La Liga Promises Spanish tournament as well. So it's been a, a pretty good month for our under-12s. I think their success at that stage is, is only comparable to the success that Barca has had at local and national competitions in throughout the whole of the La Masia youth system this season. Um, being victorious, I think it was 9 out of 15 teams actually won their respective leagues, which is fantastic news. And the fact that Barca got promoted, as we spoke at length in episode 10, which, you know, if you haven't heard yet, please please check that out because there was plenty of detail about Barca being on, that, on our previous episode. Um, I think everything combined makes Barca stronger. Um, people keep emailing us, keep you know commenting on our social media pages about what's going on with Amasia, uh, why don't we have players like Messi and Iniesta breaking through anymore. And you know, while I understand that people aren't used to Barca not producing players that are sort of world class on a on a yearly basis, can be upsetting and can be sort of a difference of what they're used to. I have to say, having players like Iniesta, uh, Messi, or even Pedro, or Busquets even, uh, is exceptional. And we just have to understand that it's not always going to be like that. However, that has we have to have high expectations, and that has to be the goal. And that's why having Barca winning tournaments in the under-12s, under-13, under-14, under-15s, etc., um, is fantastic news. And uh, I have I want to say last, but certainly not least, Thank you to Charlie for his ongoing support for the podcast. He keeps commenting on a, I would say, daily basis, which is fantastic to see. And I know he's not the only one. Wahia, who delighted us with a beautiful, messy poem on our previous episode, is also one of our best fans. Drago from Australia is normally there as well. And uh, there are many others that I like to give a shout out to in coming episodes. Please go back to our social media or the BarcelonaPodcast.com um, in order to leave your comments. Um, we are we, we do record the podcast today, but throughout the week, both Dan and I keep checking our social media feeds. And if you leave a quality comment, we normally uh, try our best to reply. And it makes us really, really happy to see that so many people from around the world are tuning in and engaging with us because we don't really take much more than your time and your love and your engagement as a reward for our podcast um, that we record on a, on a weekly basis here. So thank you for making this, 
these podcasts possible. Um, if you could share it, if you enjoy it, and you could share it with someone who is also a Barca fan, that would be great for us. But to be honest, we don't really need much more from you. We just need you to be there, which is what is happening so far. We've got huge amounts of listens on a weekly basis, and uh, we just want that to continue. So we're really grateful for your time. So Charlie, Wahia, and Drago, they seem to be a super fans at the moment. Hopefully next time I can shout out more people. But yeah, thank you. Yeah, you hit every point to it. Francis, not much left to say other than just, again, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast from. Just take the two minutes, give us a quick rating, a quick like, and subscribe as well and so you can get it instantly. And again, you can check us out and all the descriptions we have and all the deals we have at thebarcelonapodcast.com. So that wraps up another show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon and Forza Barca. Forza Barca. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.